What's up, everybody? Welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree. And perhaps you have someone like this in your life, a name that just keeps coming up over and over and over again in conversation, whether you're talking to someone, a part of your community or a work colleague, you just keep finding this name. Well, that's the case of today's guest. The more and more that I continue my investigations into the lives of people who work in this wild business known as adult, I keep hearing the name April Flores as someone who is just getting it right, someone who comes with a rich and fabulous history and uh, a legacy that is truly something to celebrate. I am so excited to have a one-on-one -on -one opportunity with the incredible April Flores. Excited to be talking with you, April Flores, today because you have been a name that continues to come up. Whether I'm having conversations with friends in the business or colleagues in the business of this wonderful adult world, your name continues to come up with such high praise. Thank you for being on Licked and Loaded here today. Thank you. Thank you for that, the the nice words, and thank you for having me. Yeah, and and I believe it's is it safe to say that. We are talking about a life and career performing in porn, writing for porn, directing for porn, and of course, this life that's run parallel in activism as well. Did I miss anything? No, I, I love how you sum that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's incredible what your legacy holds within it. You've been in this business for quite a beautiful amount of time, and I want to go to the very beginning, okay. which is always fun. It's always for me where I learn the most about a, a, a guest I haven't really sat and had the chance to do this with before. So I would love to know your beginnings in entering adult. How on earth did you find this wild business? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so my origin story, it's uh, go back to October 2005. So my porniversary is coming up in uh, next month. And um, my late husband, Carlos Batts, was a photographer and filmmaker. And he was taking photos of Belladonna, legendary, iconic Belladonna. And she saw my photo in his um his portfolio and she liked my look. So at the same time, he and I were compiling images for our book, which was eventually published in 2013 entitled Fat Girl. So back in 2005, we were compiling images and we thought, hey, let's ask Belladonna if she wants to shoot. You know, back then um, I was doing nude. I wasn't doing anything explicit, um, but we would do, you know, like cute little pinupy nude shots with me and another model. And so we met with Belladonna and she uh, was very progressive and was only shooting for her company, which, you know, is very smart. And um, she said, well, I can't do your project, but would you like to be in a scene to me? And I was like, what? I had never even imagined doing a porn scene. I didn't even really watch porn, but I thought, yeah, fuck it. Like, I'll just, I'll try this out. I'll do it one time. I'll make some money and I'll have an experience. I did it mostly for out of curiosity and having an experience to like laugh about in my head. Like, oh, mm. I did a porn once. Mm. Um, but it just kind of snowballed from there. At the time, a lot of my friends and our, our 
circle were uh, photographers, filmmakers, models, artists. So it wasn't a huge leap for me to start being cast in more uh, and more uh, projects. And so mm. I entered very slowly, very privileged in that um, it wasn't my main source of income. I had a supportive community around me. Uh, my husband was like my manager, my PR, everything. So I have a very unusual and very privileged entrance into porn. Right, right. And, and you know, sometimes Wikipedia doesn't always have all the info. Sometimes it's a little <laughs> bit skewed, but it does reference that Belladonna scene, that first girl girl scene where you chose to go in wearing a wig. Now, is that true? And what was that decision about? Was there hesitation about making the decision to actually have sex on screen? How do you navigate that? Yeah, <laughs> so Wikipedia did get that right. Uh, Belladonna is the first woman I had sex with on camera and in real life. And um, the wig was, multiple uh reasons first of all stylistically like it was a black uh like cleopatra wig love um <laughs> they're so good they're so flattering for everybody i feel like oh yeah um so back then carlos and i were using a lot of wigs gloves jewelry just a lot of like embellishments just for the aesthetics so i had a lot of wigs so it was halfway aesthetics and halfway just for me to have like a plausible deniability, because at this point I thought it was just going to be one scene and I wasn't able to wrap my head around, like, this is going to be a 17 year plus career. Um, so it was, it was kind of for that kind of for aesthetics. And also Belladonna had the same wig, so she wears the same thing. So it's kind of like a twin, a similar aesthetic. Got it. Got it. Got it. And I mean, a very delicious aesthetic. May I just say that's my go-to wig every time I want to like seduce. <laughs> Let's go for that blunt bob. It's so what sexy. is it about that bob? <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly, it's just, it's so foolproof. It works every time. It's the most dependable fucking aesthetic I could throw together every time I go for Timeless. it. <laughs> but, but, but am I getting this right? That the first time you ever had sex with a woman, you're being filmed and that becomes your first, your foray into adult. I mean, look, as someone who has had sex with women, my first time doing it, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. This was a completely different arena than most of the sex I had experienced in my life. In fact, I'm pretty sure the first few times I ever had sex with women, I just laid there and was like, great, I'm having sex with a woman. I didn't know about how to get the, the, the fun wrestling match of it all together. Like I didn't know how the interactions would go and you're doing this on camera. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild to think back on that. Um, so I I just thought, fuck it, you know, let me just dive right in. So I, I just kind of dove she was standing up and I just dove in and started eating her pussy. I was like, Well, I've never done this, but I know how it feels and I have a pussy, so let me just go with the flow. Um, but she was so seasoned, like she definitely led the scene. Like I, I wasn't, you know, I was an active participant and I had been modeling in front of the camera for five years. So I had a sense of like what visually looks good and as a subject. Um, but yeah, she definitely led the scene. Yeah, that that helps. That definitely yeah. helps to have sort of a captain in that situation. Totally. <laughs> You've, so, so 2005, I mean, through the span of time that brings us to 2022 today, we have seen this business evolve in so many ways for performers and really everyone involved, let's be honest, whether it's, you know, 
porn on the internet going public, whether it's technology advancing and giving us different kinds of experiences, whether it's the boom of content platforms and performers getting the control of their content to the degree that they have today, what would be the change, the evolution, the transformation that has impacted you the most? What was something that you said, wow, I, I don't know if I'm okay to follow suit in this way, or this is challenging? What was the one that stood out to you the most? I love that question. Yeah, I think it's the the latter part of your, your um, question is that, you know, now that there are so many platforms and performers really have the opportunity to just be in control of their their image, their content, direct communication with the fans, with the audience. Um, I think that part was the biggest, um, it was it was a big change for me because I came in where I would show up on set, do a day of shooting, get a nice check and be done with it. And right. now I'm, I'm sure you and your audience know this, like we have that part, but we also have like casting and lighting and, and uh, you know, like, setting up the scene and and then after like editing uploading promoting <laughs> that to me the promoting part is what is right most challenging for me yeah. and consistency um yeah. so it is there there is a lot of opportunity for performers and anyone who's interested um but it does take a lot of consistent work it's it, the workload i would say the workload has evolved and expanded in so many ways because you know an element like promotion is now something that can chew up most of your week just opening up your inbox on any of these social media platforms or on your fan site how do you build your week so that you are most productive but not on the edge of burnout That's the wrong person i'm to always ask on it. burnout I'm always on burnout personally. Like I'm like, fuck it. I cannot do this <laughs> inbox today. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I just kind of do a little bit each day. I feel like I'm always working and I feel like I'm always not working. It's this weird like balance. Um, I should have a schedule. I don't like, I know some creators who are really on, like they do their week ahead or their month ahead or two months, whatever. Um, I aspire to that and I admire them. But for me, mm. April, I'm just kind of like a, a day by day person. <laughs> yeah, a day by day person. That is just such a, a beautiful pace to set yourself at. My God, I need to like try and adopt that for myself. So we've got this new opportunity called the inbox where your fans, your fan base, your viewers can access you directly. What did they want to know about you? Did any of it surprise you? Is it just dirty talk? Or are they looking for another kind of connection? What do they want from you? Yeah, I think the most surprising thing was how personal um, we get, you know, talking about what did you have for dinner? And, you know, how's your dog? And um, if, it, you know, I develop really close relationships with some of my fans. And if they're having, I remember one fan was having a hard time and I was traveling and I saw all these bodies of water and I just took little photos and sent them to him because I knew he was in a rough place. So I think the, um, so we as performers, right? We have this image, we have this persona that we project, but for me, um, you know, there's, I'm a human, just like my fans are humans. And I think the human to human connection is what has been most surprising about this evolution of how we interact with. And also, 
uh, monetize, you know, it's when we have, we have to, the fans have to realize this is a job as much as we're con connecting and as much as we, we like have fun. This is our, <laughs> our lifestyle, right? This is the sustains our, our lives. So mm -hmm. I just want to remind the viewers that, you know, pay, pay your favorite performers because yeah. this is what's going to keep us going. That's so true. And they are one individual speaking to their favorite content creator. They might not have the perspective or the insight to think, well, how many of me are in this inbox for her or him or them? How many of me exist in that inbox with those demands for interaction nonstop? We hold so much space for everyone else. What do you do with your downtime? How do you as this incredible and, and very driven individual, how do you preserve the energy sources inside of you? What do you do with your downtime to make sure that you're in a stable place? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I, I use cannabis daily. I feel like it's it's my medicine. Um, I refer to it as my medicine because I, I feel language is very, really important. And um, I, I know there are varying degrees of what people think about cannabis, but I kind of use my mom as like the, the litmus so she's been very like against marijuana weed whatever but i i refer to it as my medicine and slowly she's like changing her mind about it to where she was visiting a few weeks ago and she was in pain i was like hey do you want this like little piece of gummy for your pain and she took it and she didn't get high unfortunately but she you know her pain went away um but yeah i sidetracked um I like, I like to stay in like all day in bed. Sometimes I love to hang out with friends. I just moved to New York. So I love days where I just kind of explore. <laughs> I love it here so much. Like there's always just, it, it's so lively here. I just love to immerse myself and lose myself. Central park is amazing. Like, oh, I know. I know. Yeah. And it's, it's so exciting because look, it's never lost its glory or its effect on me. I'm with you a thousand percent. You walk up the steps anywhere in this city and you go, oh my God, a movie was shot here. Oh my God. This is where this moment in history took place. It's just so rich with like these very powerful vignettes that we get to experience and these moments and this, it's a very interactive and immersive place i love this city i love it to death and i love that you're here so i hate that we're doing this on a zoom screen this is stupid we should be doing this in real life and we will we absolutely we will, will. we will so so you you make this life career out of sex and sexuality and sharing yourself in that way i, I want to know where you place sexuality uh, on your own list of priorities and how do you keep that special balance in check when your actual work and art is sex are you having sex in your private life are you continuing to explore yourself privately is that something you incorporate into your content tell us how important it is to you or maybe how not important it is to you <laughs> <laughs> Laura, you have all the great questions. Um, yeah, it, it, it is. It is a balancing act for sure. Um, during the pandemic, I was very, very um, vigilant about not seeing anyone. Um, like mo from when it started to like basically summer of 2021, I was quarantined. So the only outlet for my sexuality was work. And that honestly was hard to have like it like a vacuum just to be like, 
consumed and sold and and not and on a screen I was really missing uh, shooting like I had one friend Carla like we shot together a handful of times but basically I was you know like all of us most of us who are like privileged enough to make their income at home we were isolated and mm-hmm. having um a very narrow outlet for my sexuality it kind of fucked with me a little bit <laughs> um but now I'm you know like we're still slowly starting to reemerge, and I um I am seeing some people in real life and it's been really fun <laughs> uh to get to explore that and uh it's sex 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 and sexuality are really high in my like brain and my life in addition to my job um I'm just having fun right now I'm with someone who's like less experienced than me so I feel like I'm a teacher and like showing them all these things (laughs) so that's that's a lot of fun but yes I do really appreciate when I have a balance of like work stuff and real life stuff and ideally they would merge where this you know like this real life stuff can be filmed and um shared with the audience because I know they're they're curious right like about these real life hookups I'm not there yet but that's always a goal and and that's a boundary that you check in with as you go right it's like am I ready or do I even want to share this part of my life like that's that's a boundary you assess as you go and get into the the furthering of the relationship. But you mentioned something that I think so many viewers and listeners, regardless of what industry they're in, so many of us experienced. And that was this reintroduction to socializing after being homeward bound and and stuck inside of our tiny isolated spaces, tiny for those of us in New York, Um, and and, and getting back to socializing. You, You talked a bit about that challenge and that anxiety, which so many of us felt like I remember stepping out into social events after, you know, restrictions were dropped and it was awkward as fuck. You either immediately wanted to share the misery you had experienced and the low points, or you just didn't know the words and how to kind of, you know, operate the volume of your intensity. At least that was my experience. So what, what was your, what was your trick to getting through that so far that you found a relationship that you're having a great time with? (laughs) I was clunky for sure. It was very, I was awkward and clunky. Like before lockdown, I was, you know, I could like ease in and out of social situations, but (laughs) reemerging, I was, and you know, I was reemerging in parties where I knew everyone. I was still in LA and, you know, I had my circle of like social people and I was still there like oh my god like I'm nervous and germs and like how do I interact how do I say anything I that sounded stupid whatever I said um so I think I I feel much better now but I think it's just like with anything you just have to kind of like Mm. get back on the bike and just kind of like balance and just keep going yeah yeah (laughs) and 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 it's okay if you're a little bit quieter as you're re-entering I'm always at a panic for words when I'm with a, a group. I feel it's my duty to be the host, the leader, <laughs> the, the conversationalist. But there's been an incredible benefit to just being able to stand with a group of people and be yes. okay being a little bit quieter. So that's that's my yeah. advice on that one, in case anyone was curious. April, I want to talk about um, about activism and this genre that we know that continues to 
growing popularity, the BBW genre. Um, you make content within that genre? Do you identify as being within that genre? Tell me about your relationship with this title. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I identify as a fat person. Um, BBW, I know it's a label. It's a label in porn. Labels I don't like, but um, I realize that porn ultimately is a product and you need to kind of like label products um, I, I don't, I, I'm kind of indifferent to the term. Like I, it, do, it doesn't really invoke any thing in me other than it's just like an identifier. Um, but for me, I, I know different performers and different fat people or plus size people have different ways that they, they like to call themselves. Um, but for me, I just like fat. Uh, I like to destigmatize that word. Cause I know it's a really charged word for a lot of people. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm fat. <laughs> Is there a danger with fetishizing or building a genre that may allude to a fetishizing of a person, of a, 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 a physical attribute, a body type? Is it dangerous that we're building such a huge amount of popularity of this genre? I mean, I've spoken to performers that create what so much of the world knows as interracial content. We've talked about how that might perpetuate and how, quite frankly, it does perpetuate some of the racism in our society. So is using a term like BBW dangerous to our society? Does it inform them uh, towards a dangerous narrative? Another great question. Um, I definitely see with the interracial label does perpetuate racism and fetishization. BBW, it probably does with the fetishization. But for me, like BBW, fat, whatever, bodies that, you know, like we have the flabby arms and stuff. I feel like there is a danger of perpetuating these stereotypes and these fetishes. But also, I I want to counterweigh the 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 quality and the importance of representation so mm. porn is media okay regardless of whatever people want to think about it porn is part of media when people see someone that looks like them represented in media it's very powerful so if someone sees a fat person being sexual being um admired being lusted after uh in engaging in their sexuality and their desires feeling like they are worthy of sex and sexuality and pleasure. Um, it's very powerful. So for me, I think that the representation is really what is valuable here. And any fetishization or objectification is going to happen. But I, for me, the, the benefits and the positivity for me outweigh like, you know, there's always going to people be people objectifying all kinds of people. <laughs> right, right. For for listeners or viewers that uh, may be having a challenging relationship with their own image they're witnessing in the mirror uh, and feelings of self-worth or self-worthlessness, how uh, would you advise them to start making their way towards a positive relationship with themselves? Yeah, that that's hard. Like it's, it's a daily thing. It's not something where you just wake up and like, oh yes, I'm 
beautiful and I'm so comfortable in this body, especially when there's a billion dollar industry, several that are marketed towards making us feel shitty, not just about our, our weights, but about our status Our like, what car do you drive? Like, where do you live? What are you eating? Um, so all of these industries are based on monetizing on our, uh, lowering our self-worth and saying right. here let me help you but give me your money it's it, i i think that maybe once you shift it, it's hard right like because we're bombarded with these messages all the time if you're able to kind of like block that out and also appreciate your body right like mm. your body's keeping you alive and i know that um not everyone has you know a body with without some issues but um it's 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 a daily practice mm. it's and they so want to keep us insecure don't they yeah about everything like, <laughs> like the, the craziest simplest shit can become this cliffhanger in your mind of oh my god am i worthy or not all deemed by you know a couple scrolls on instagram it's it's unbelievable the yeah and it could, that's happening it, <laughs> it is conditioning exactly mm. and it all comes down to people profiting off of making us feel less than mm. um and i think it's pretty radical to go against that um but i know it's it's hard because we're we're raised with these images and ideas like we we from a little like when you're a little kid like you don't have the um the shield of knowledge around that so i i know it's it's hard mm. Still also okay yeah also there's there are lots of communities online like um just search and that you'll find people that are in your same mindset and hopefully they can help you hmm. it's a, it's a great connecting tool and i think that we need to really prioritize the opportunity of our online lives to finding people that better us as opposed yeah. to seeking out the fucking content that makes us go um yeah i'm not having dessert tonight or um, yeah i i need to make more money it's it's choices people and it's about being absolutely awake and aware of you know the efforts that are out there to make you feel like shit Really yeah. Is. And, and I feel like the algorithms know, like they will, if you click that one <laughs> thing, they will pump it of like, okay, that person doesn't like this to send them more, send them more. So yeah, the fucking algorithms I think are very dangerous. It's so, it's so cunning, you know, <laughs> like it, it gets inside of your dark thoughts and suddenly, you know, I'm scrolling my phone, tweezing a chin hair and then an, <laughs> an electrolysis ad comes my way. And I'm like, how did you know what I was, how did you know that I, and now I'm $200 in the hole getting my chin lasered, you know, <laughs> that's how it goes. That's They're it. watching us. They are watching us. So we have to arm ourselves with our own protection because it's true. It's, it's only getting like more, mm -hmm. more intuitive. Like the shit is coming for us. Okay. I'm starting to form my tinfoil hat and I'll be placing it on my head in about 10 seconds. <laughs> April, April Flores, what is the porn that gets you off? Tell us Ooh. about what stimulates, what excites, what do you search for? And, uh, and how do you like it? <laughs> well, okay. So, um, since a lot of my friends are performers, like I, have a little bit of a danger like just scrolling <laughs> randomly so <laughs> you know like uh 
few years ago, I was just scrolling and then there's my ex performing, <laughs> which was cute. You know, like we, we're, we're very close friends, so it was fine, but also fucking boner killer. So um, I like, you know, cartoon stuff, Ooh. monsters and zombies, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> not, not oh where God. it's like so hard where they're like destroying their partner, but you know, just like some mystery, some, some fear, um, that I, I feel like fear and sex that they're, they're kind of like the emotions are a little bit like they're not connected, but they're, they're kind of connected in that we are like hyper alert, hyper aware. Yeah. Also, like your body gets excited when that sense of fear sets in. So it's a thrill. It's a great time to incorporate arousal. Personally, I, as a kinkster, I say that it can be a great time to incorporate arousal. But also in some of these cartoon uh, or animated porn flicks, I've noticed the audio is really superior, like the sound effects <laughs> of like... <laughs> You know, like the the wet sounds really wet. Like, oh, totally. Right. Love that. It, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just like you know that cupcake just came out of the oven, okay? And it is just getting you know it's making its way into my mouth. Like it is that beautiful a sound, okay? <laughs> Love it. The, the audio on those things, brilliant sound design. I tip my hat to all of you. Yeah. Also, I love that with animation, um, we're not held to the bounds of real life. Like you can right. be on a cloud. Not that I've seen cloud porn, but that's that's kind of my fantasy. Like I did um, Aorta Films did like a, an animation la like 2021. I don't remember when, but look it up. And it was, um, we all collaborated and they're like, what's your fantasy, April? I was like, I want to fuck on a cloud. Like ever since... I can remember like just being, you know, like lounging on a cloud and just like being pumped and just, you know, like floating away. So they, they did that. They were able to do that. And it's still, still my fantasy. <laughs> I love, we, we did an Aorta Films uh, licked and loaded episode. I am so happy that that name came up once again. Um, are, are you going to do more with them? Is there a chance you might do more with them? Yeah, I would love to, especially now that I'm here in New York yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah amazing content shout out please explore aota films but um this is going to be the end of my time with you miss april flores and it has been such a delight i honestly cannot wait to do this in real life um we've got a mutual friend that will not stop talking about you and it is <laughs> it's just it it gets me very giddy so we're going to do this in real life please let all of my viewers and listeners know where to find you online and the best way to contact you Okay, um, I'm on um, OnlyFans and Twitter at the April Flores, IG, which you know is not all of our favorite platform. The April Flores, T H E E April Flores, um, and yeah, re reach out to me on one of those platforms. Um, I update them almost daily, but I'm I'm scrolling them all the time. So yeah, my OnlyFans is probably the best way to contact me if you want to. Yeah, <laughs> Amazing. You're such a superstar. Thank you for your time you. today. <laughs> and anyone watching and listening and loving this, make sure that you like, follow, favorite, and subscribe to this channel and stay up to date with all things Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree, and we will see you next time. Bye. <laughs> 
This has been a CAM4 Radio production. Come say hi at www.cam4radio.com. <laughs>